Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldana. It's been a wild freedom Today, we have my dear friend, Amelia, who shares her story of her spiritual journey into motherhood. After becoming sober and meeting her husband, Amelia embarks on a conscious conception journey that brings in her first son. After being mistreated by her midwives, she found the courage to critique her birth experience and began the deep discovery process of what it could mean to take 100% responsibility in her next pregnancy. I guess my mothering journey begins when I was five years old and my mum was pregnant with my little brother, um, who's my only blood sibling. I have a 10-year-old half-sister who I didn't grow up with. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was driving in the car and I was sitting in the back and all of a sudden I started making sounds like, Uh, uh, uh. my mom was saying Amelia what's happening are you okay back then I was like I'm having the baby and I gave birth in the back to my doll and congratulations thank you so much and it was a beautiful moment and I refused to go to school after that the next day because I needed to stay home to feed my baby obviously and my mom was like you know, I promise you, Amelia, I'll feed the baby. I'll, you know, whenever the baby's hungry, I'm going to feed them. It's all good. And I just said, no, you won't. And I really, really was so set on staying with my baby. And eventually my mom persuaded me. But that really was my first mothering experience. And then I always wanted wanted to be a mother. That was like Mm -hmm. my dream of what do you want to be when you're older? I want to be a mother. Um, and so I just really carried that in my heart, um, waiting for my time. And I met my husband, my now husband, Luke, when I was 18 years old. Um, and he was seven years older and I was 18 in an AA meeting, meeting him. I was like 30 days sober and complete mess. And he had about seven years sober at that time. And we weren't like all odds were stacked against us, Mm -hmm. but we, um, 
and his sponsor was like, you're 13th stepping her, like the odds of this working are less than winning the lottery, whatever. Anyway, we pushed wow. through and we made it work. And um, we moved to LA. We lived there for four years from London to there and then moved back because we knew we wanted to start a family and get married first. And my family live in London, so do his. And so we really wanted to grow up with that kind of nuclear family extended Mm. around us. So we were both completely on the same track. I was 27, no, I was 26 when, um, well, before I got pregnant. And by the way, every year I was saying to Luke, is this the year? Can we do it this year? Please, you know, I'm so ready. And he was like, no, not this year, next year. And I remember on January 1st, 2000. Uh, six, 17 I literally turned to him and I was like you said next year do you know what I'm going to ask you and he was like you're going to ask if we can start trying for a baby now I was like yes I remember we were watching Modern Family on the projector and, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like oh my god <laughs> so yeah so we started trying for baby with modern family into, and it's funny because he's go, he's watching Modern family right now as we speak oh my God. Just by chance. full circle Luke. Many years <laughs> later, yeah um but so we started trying for a baby we had been preparing our bodies for months beforehand just because actually were we i was he wasn't yet um, and so he started, you know, cutting out sugar, coffee, anything with chemicals, doing the whole, you know, protocol, taking mm-hmm. lots of nourishing supplements and foods. And herbs. It's so romantic, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it is actually. It I really is. You'll yeah. never take a supplement more romantically than when you're preparing <laughs> preparing for a baby. <laughs> well, I remember you told me about this is my second pregnancy, but about the supreme creation yeah. um, supplement for men. And that was, he felt like Zeus taking that. Like it lives up to its name, basically. Oh my God. Like, Johnny said the exact same thing. <laughs> he used to come in in the morning and like flex and be like, I am supreme creation. <laughs> <laughs> it's some powerful shit. It's like deer antler, goat placenta, all sorts of stuff in there. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to get him some again. We're not trying for a baby, but I think he could, you know, do with the boost. It's right. I'm glad you brought that up because I had completely forgotten about that. I got to reintroduce that into the yeah, yeah. family supplements. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we prepared and I was doing my big kind of spiritual preparation because I knew that in January, like I think January, 20th, I was all booked in to go across the world and fly to Gabon, which is in West Central Africa, to do a Bwiti initiation with the planter boga that I had been in ceremony with for the past, I think, like six years. I had been using this plant. Um, and it had completely transformed my life from being just a complete wreck and, you know, you name it, I had the problem to really discovering my essential nature. And it really led me on this path 
Um, so I was so excited to finally have been given the green light to go and do this initiation because not anyone could go. You had to be really able to hold it. It was a really mm-hmm. strong experience. You're in a chamber in a hut, you know, in Libreville, Gabon. It's just out of this world, <laughs> the situation. And, um, for a week. And so I was so excited. I go there and I have this absolutely life-changing experience. One of the visions of which during the week, I saw myself giving birth to this little baby who looked just like me when I was born. So I assumed that I was having a girl because it looked just like me. Um, and I knew, and they all told me the master there and everyone, they said, you are going to get pregnant right away when you get home. And I was like, okay, great. So you just wait and see your stomach's going to start growing. And that's that. So I go home and literally a week later I get pregnant. Hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, this is so powerful having just watched myself give birth in the chamber and I can't divulge too much um, because it is a sacred kind of protected experience Um, but it was a really really powerful vision that I had had and um, anyway so I go through my pregnancy kind of like what do I do now I knew 100% that I was going to have a home birth because when we were living in LA I watched this film The Business of Being Born the Ricky Lake one And that started me on my kind of passion and obsession for birth and natural birth and against anti-establishment birth. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had an amazing osteopath in LA as well, Dr. Monks, who, he was a chiropractor actually, um, who opened my eyes about toxins and uh, vaccines and just really taught me stuff that I had no idea about before. So he was a big part of my preconception journey because it was two years before I conceived that I started um, doing the protocol that he had recommended. Um, And so I was just ready to rumble and so excited to be pregnant and just in complete kind of shock that my time was now after a whole lifetime of, you know, wishing to be a mother and dreaming of it. And so I went to, God, so I, I had had a pap smear before I got pregnant because I still thought pap smears were a good idea. I didn't know about that until what I know now. And so I went to see my gynecologist who I had seen when I was 18 and this was almost 10 years later and she's a really lovely lady and we'd had a good rapport and she gave me the results um, of my pap smear when I went in pregnant because she knew that I was trying to get pregnant and excited about it and she didn't know that I'd gotten pregnant so quickly and she said, well, the results are you've got HPV again because I'd had it before and I'd had severe dyscaloriosis, whatever it's called, and the colposcopy and the cells burnt out. And by the way, I had always thought that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant because of all of this stuff and some other mm. stuff I'd been told by her that made me carry around this thing. Oh, and apparently I had polycystic ovaries, which oh my God. I don't have. Um, and just this whole 
narrative that I had about myself that I, you know, would find it hard to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I would, but it would be maybe a struggle. So I turn up to my appointment and I'm like, Miss Rose, I'm pregnant. And she's like, oh, wow. Okay. And she then went on to recommend that I have a colposcopy done pregnant to cut what? the cells. To, yeah. To first examine and then if needed, cut out the cells and I could risk losing my pregnancy. But it was important because I'd be, um, you know, putting myself at risk. Otherwise, I could get cancer and all these things. And this is me like four weeks pregnant or whatever. So I was kind of scared about that. But I just said, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I'll take the risk. I'm not. I'm not coming back. And so I didn't. And I knew in my gut there was no way I was doing it. Um, so fast- were you able, sorry, were you were you able to kind of shake that off? Like once you you have this clarity, you're like, no, F that, and then you you move on with your pregnancy. But how does that like that, you're contending with a lot of stories there, right? That yeah, that, that's kind of a lot in the beginning of your pregnancy. Were you able to just like shake it off and be like, that's BS? Or or was it kind of, was there a thread that continued on of, of fear or worry? So I was lucky in that I had a great support network of people who I really trusted their spiritual um, input from. And so I did ask my friend um, who was linked with the initiations and she's considered a master um, in Gabon, even though she's French and she, but she lives in London. And I asked her, she would, you know, feel into it for me. And is this right? Like, does this Mm -hmm. feel right to her? It felt right to me, but I needed the validation because I was vulnerable and I needed someone to say, you know, yeah, okay, what you're doing is, is okay. If I didn't have that, I would have probably carried that through being who Mm -hmm. I was in that moment. But she said, no, you know, you could lose the baby. Don't do it. Um, you know, if you want to check afterwards. And I did, by the way, check afterwards. And there was no, nothing there. It was a complete false reading the first time. Or the cells had been sloughed away in the birth or whatever. That's what you I know. was going to say, that, that we also kind of can so easily forget, well, especially in like the deep misogyny of our culture, that pregnancy can be incredibly healing and it can actually regenerate and uh, for lack of a better word, fix, or no, I'll say heal um, things that are going on. So obviously, I don't know what was like real with this situation in particular, but that book, um, Everything Below the Waste by Jennifer Block talks quite a bit about the Mm -hmm. regenerative regenerative, um, essence of pregnancy. And it's such a, I think this is a quite a beautiful example of that. Yeah, no, it really is. And I knew, I 100% knew in my gut, even though I had the doubt and, you know, needed the affirmation from my friend. um, Ultimately, I knew that giving birth would get rid of it if there was something there. So, yeah, I'm very grateful that I didn't listen to the doctor. And then I never went back to a doctor after that. And when the gynecologist in that meeting had asked me, you know, so what hospital obstetrician are you going to? I said, oh, I'm having a home birth. And she kind of scoffed at me. She was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I am. 
her hus- her husband is an obstetrician and he was my mother's obstetrician for my brother's mm. birth. Um, Whoa, interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So, so anyway, I left there and then I was like, right, I need to find a midwife. I know for a fact I'm not going to go through the NHS. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play run roulette with who turned my house and have a very intimate relationship with whoever's going to be there and it needs to be the same person and Mm -hmm. I need to feel so I was very clear about it I mean I'd read gentle birth gentle mothering oh I forgot to say as well the year prior I had done a hypnobirthing teacher training not because I wanted to teach, but because I wanted to learn. I wanted to have an antenatal kind of more alternative education, which they offered, um, like from a teacher's standpoint. Mm-hmm. And um, so I learned all about, you know, vitamin K and advocating for self and um, all of the resources that I had in the UK. And um, when it came time, I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I need to find an independent midwife. I need to stay away from X, Y, Z. And I need to really protect my space. So I was obsessed with birth, literally. I would Mm -hmm. just talk about it to anyone and everyone. And they didn't want to hear about it. But, you know, I was just like super keen. And, um, Okay, so the time comes that I am searching. My friend, two separate friends recommend to me this midwife. And Mm. she used two separate names. She had the same first name, but different last names because one was her married name and one was her um, maiden name. And so I thought it was two people with the same name. And I'm emailing her on one name and calling her and texting her on the other name. And we arranged to meet up and I was like, realized I double booked because I thought I'd booked both. Oh, that's funny. Midwives. And, so she, and she was up. like, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> so she, she shows up and um, we just hit it off straight away. I really trusted her. She had a really motherly quality to her. Um, she was very open to my experience experiences with spirituality, with the fact I'd just come back from Gabon. She had done Cambo and so she understood kind of mm-hmm. doing more out there practices. And um, and we hit it off. And I said, yeah, I feel really good about it. Luke met her. Luke liked her too, but Luke was like, listen, do whatever you want. I'm going to preface this to say that I knew about free birth, just I had found Lacey, very Lacey, Lacey Haynes's um, Instagram just randomly Mm -hmm. and saw that she was pregnant. She was like eight months pregnant at this point and talking about how she hadn't had any ultrasounds and which I knew nothing about before then. Mm. And, you know, having wild pregnancy for the most part. And I was like, oh my God, this girl is crazy. I love it. I need to learn more. And so I was kind of really interested in following her her posts. And I said to Luke, you know, we could do this ourselves. We could free birth. It would be amazing. We'd save, you know, 6,000 pounds as well because we don't need anyone else. 
and Luke was totally game. He was like, yeah, let's do it. Then I spoke to a couple of friends and I was like, older friends who've had four babies and, you know, very naturally minded on most things. My friend was like, yeah, I, I think you should have someone there. Just have someone there that can, you know, help out if needed and if anything goes wrong. And if it were only that simple. <laughs> I know. And so I just, my confidence was really easily knocked. I wasn't standing, mm. you know, in my power around it. I was very easily persuaded. Literally, it didn't take much persuading. I just was like, okay, I, I guess this time, mm-hmm. because I found someone so great that I love, then I'm going to go with her. So... Well, and it... <laughs> Like the way someone being like, well, it's really nice to have a woman to just help out. Like, that's legit. That sounds very easy to kind of reduce what the experience is going to be to something that innocent, you know? So, I mean, obviously, I know you know that, but it just is kind of the, you know, this is like the smoke and mirrors of it. That's so unfortunate. And I thought as well that by really... I thought I was really doing my research and making sure I had an independent midwife who's Mm -hmm. all about undisturbed birth, undisturbed birth this, undisturbed birth that. I'm like, yeah, great. Like only had one client who's had a C-section in the 40 years that she's been practicing, doesn't believe in induction, doesn't believe in, you know, all the things that I quizzed her about at the beginning Mm -hmm. that I felt really strongly about, no vaginal examinations, all of it. So I was like, okay, I feel like, how could this go wrong? Mm -hmm. I've got this great lady. We're on the same page. It's wonderful. So anyway, then I'm five months pregnant and I am meditating and having, I get a vision. Well, first of all, I was at a group meditation with a bunch of friends. I mean, it was like our Monday night meditation meetup that we did at my friend's beautiful house. And it was like a really nice situation. And we go there and like the, the whole ceiling is lit with stars, like fake stars embedded mm. into this thing of the meditation room. It's like really a special place. And um, one of my friends, Tunde, arrives and she is this lady that can touch a crystal and go and I don't know. I don't even know what she does. It's just <laughs> wild. She will like explode or internally combust just from like communicating and touching crystals. I don't have any experience with that, but I've seen her do it and it's really intense. Anyway, I see her for the first time in a while. She's been to Gabon as well before and done this initiation. So we're kind of sisters on this, you know, in this way. We hug. She starts like shaking. And there's been this energy transfer from my womb into her stomach. And she's like crying. I mean, it was so intense. I was like, what is going on? Because I wasn't experiencing it the way that she was. Mm. But she was like, this is really, really powerful. I've never experienced this in my life. And she has to go lie down. And then the meditation starts anyway. My friend guides it. And I close my eyes. And I get transported up into the cosmos and then back to Gabon outside this jasmine bush outside the chamber that I was last in, which is the chamber to meet your highest self. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful experience being there. But um, 
pregnant mothers go when they're eight months pregnant, usually six to eight months pregnant, go and do the initiation for their unborn child, this very special initiation. And um, I was taken there by my baby and I was told, you need to take me here. (laughs) And I had just been five months earlier and it was so intense and it was so something you're like, okay, maybe in a few years I'd consider it again. Totally. Um, Like completely humbling, completely breaks you, completely does, you know, reconfigures every Mm. cell in your body. And no one was planning to go. I'd gone with a group of friends before. So I speak to my friend who I've spoken to about the HPV cells. I was like, you know, I have this vision. What do you think? Do I need to go? And she was like, yeah, I think it would be good. Um, <laughs> like, like, are you sure? <laughs> what? So six months pregnant. I And also getting a visa to go to Gabon and doing the whole thing is nearly impossible it is such a palaver to get it done and I honestly until like a week before I went in that January the first time I didn't think I was going to be able to go because there's such sticklers they don't let people go there really so it was the easiest breeziest way to get a visa and book my tickets and every door opened for me it was green lights all the way to get there and I cried the whole plane journey six months pregnant because oh my god I didn't check my bag in and I had all my like pregnant snacks to bring with me in my apple puree pouches and everything and the guy TSA confiscated it all from me because it was too much liquids and I just like (laughs) burst into tears in front of him and then continued crying for the whole flight um watching some crappy movie just like did you like want to go I was like this is my first sacrifice as a mother like I'm experiencing it I did not want to go I knew it was the right thing to do and I knew that I needed to go and I wasn't going for myself I was going for my son who I knew, okay, I knew it was a boy um, because I did the test at 11 weeks, the harmony Mm. test. Mm -hmm. And so, as I said, I didn't know about ultrasounds really. I'd heard through the grapevine that, you know, maybe wasn't the best thing, but I tried Googling it. I couldn't find any information. And I just, to be fair, was really controlling and wanted to know what sex my baby was going to be and Mm -hmm. that was that so I went in for the ultrasound at 11 weeks sorry to go back a bit but I felt pain in my womb when I was having the ultrasound I knew Mm. that it was not okay it just every every part of me turned away from it and I asked her to stop it um she just had to check to see if it was twins or not before she could do the harmony test and anyway, it was one day and I was sure I was going to have a girl, but mm-hmm. um, we knew his name straight away before it was, a. we found out even we knew he was a sage or a girl sage. And um, so I take little sage Christopher off to Gabon and um, have such a difficult week 
oh my God. And there's a digital clock in the chamber. I don't know why. I mean, it's... Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) There's a digital clock there. And I felt like I was in prison because I spent the whole time looking at the clock. Like, okay. And doing like tallies on my notebook. Okay. You've got... 10 more minutes until this hour is finished. I felt like I was in prison. It was so difficult. You kind of were. I mean, minus the part that it was voluntary, but like that's obviously a huge distinction here. (laughs) But I mean, going into a chamber of solitary confinement, essentially just staring at a clock. I mean, I don't think you get clocks in prison, but... And not just solitary confinement though, because there was one Gabonese girl doing the initiation as well who was nine years old so I was in there with her and there was and there was a woman who was my age with her eight-month-old baby doing the initiation and you're in different chambers or the same chamber we're in the same chamber it's like one big very kind of minimal room but you're all on sorry you're all on the medicine so it's not like you're talking and hanging no, you're not. So it's such high vibration and it's like a very clear ritual the way that it's done that it's not really about the plant. It's about the mystical process that you are going through. Um, and you, some people don't even get given the plant. It's whatever the spirit says. Like mm-hmm. that person, no, she doesn't need the plant. He doesn't need the plant. He needs three handfuls. He needs five, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was given a symbolic dose. Um, so I didn't feel anything and I was given it, you know, halfway through my experience, but you are having the most, because the vibration of this, these four walls are so intense and the initiations that have gone on in there are so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like the Egyptian, you know, initiations that happen there, you are even just lying down, closing your eyes, having the most vivid visions and lessons and everything being laid out to you Mm -hmm. so I I was having actually really beautiful and really positive dreams and visions every time I closed my eyes it was when I opened my eyes and I felt like I was having to protect myself I was very much in survival mode because the kids would come in and try and take my food and you know and I'm just there pregnant trying to you know, have enough nourishment to grow my baby and and feel safe. And so it was it was definitely it was definitely difficult from that perspective. And how long were you there again? One week. Okay. Which Oof. is a long time. No phone, no contact yeah. with anyone, you know, just you're just in it. And um they but they were so so adorable and loving and supportive. The people of the village um and I become really good friends with some of them like the mama of the village mama Manuel Manuela who is the wife of the man who leads everything um and so it was it was I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to go and that I went but it was so hard and I flew home you know, still in floods of tears, but relieved and so happy to be home and really shaken up actually. Um, But I saw that, you know, my birth would be very powerful and like waves coursing over me and, you know, that my son was a very 
special little soul. Um, so I get home and the rest of the pregnancy progresses. I'm, oh my God, I gained, I went up to a hundred kilos, which is like 200, I don't know, 220 pounds, 250 pounds. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot from 60 kilos by the end of my pregnancy. And I was 41 plus five weeks. I had had two ultrasounds because I had the anomaly one at 20 weeks as well. Mm -hmm. And the same thing felt so repulsed by it. And the technician said, oh, do you mind if this trainee technician does it because he needs to learn? And I just said, absolutely not. (laughs) He got so offended and like had the real hump with me. But I said, no, listen, do it as quickly as you can and then I'm done. So I knew that it wasn't right, especially by my Uh visceral reaction, but I hadn't, yeah, God, never again, Uh knowing what I know now. So 41 plus five weeks, I am enormous, so much retention, fluid retention. I'm exhausted. My knees hurt. I'm just not Uh feeling, not feeling good. I'm so swollen. I'm literally living on the sofa, sleeping on the sofa because I can't get in and off of my bed, which was like a whale. (laughs) Literally like a beached whale. Watching watching like reality TV and date shows and stuff like on my laptop and repeat, like up to pee every 15 minutes, day and night. Were you miserable? I was so miserable. Mm -hmm. I was just done. And um, my mom knew how strong I felt against induction and everything. And she just kept saying, why don't you just get a sweep or what people say? Everyone's saying, just go get a sweep, get this, get Mm -hmm. that, you know, run up the stairs for me, run down, do this, do that. And she had all this pressure on me because this Mm -hmm. three year long um, project that she had been co-curating called the Wisdom and Nature Exhibition, which was happening in New York at... um, at Sotheby's, Phillips. Yeah, Phillips, sorry, I got confused. Um, This art exhibition linked with the master in Gabon and all the different wisdom traditions of different indigenous cultures around the world. All the masters were coming to do this amazing, powerful meditation at the UN. And there was the art exhibition and I was involved with it too, to some degree. And we just couldn't believe that my do window was mm-hmm. exactly when she needed to be in New York and she's no. so to But um, if it had been as predicted 40 weeks, she would have been fine. But it was, I was almost 42 weeks by the time mm-hmm. I gave birth. And I will say that my waters broke as she was on the airplane going to New York. It's like I needed her to, to go so that I could mm-hmm. just not have that pressure on me of, um, yeah just the time watching. So she goes off to meet up with all these amazing 12 masters from around the world, male and female. And um, I gave birth. I mean, I'll tell the story, but he was born at the same time that all the masters from around the world arrived in New York and met together. And she went down to breakfast and one of the elders said, you know, good morning, Abuela, to her. And um, because they had heard that she had just had 
her first grandchild. And my mom said, oh, thank you. My grandson's name is Sage. And he said, that's the name of my grandson too. So it was a really beautiful little moment. But getting to that point was uh, (laughs) interesting. So very fast, very furious. Um, My waters broke at 10.45 p.m., I was almost 42 weeks. My midwife was saying, you know, no to induction, just hang in there, try and let go, break down. It's a good sign if you're on the, on the verge of tears and the whole time, because I really was. She's like, just Mm. stop holding yourself together, completely unfurl and let it out. And so I did. I had a complete meltdown and then let go of it. I was like, whatever, I'll just stay pregnant forever. That's just what's going to happen. And I ended up, my water started trickling. I went to pee and I wiped and I noticed that liquid was just still coming out, coming out, coming out. And it was slightly tinged, kind of browny green. So I sent a photo of the toilet paper to her. And she said, yeah, it looks like a bit of meconium, but don't worry about it. And I was like, well, I'm not worried about it anyway. But um, she said, yeah, it's probably going to take a while labor to start so just go and meditate I was so amped up (laughs) I was like it's on it's happening oh my god I thought I was gonna be pregnant forever and I like went to get Luke he was in the middle of watching a movie he was like seriously can you just come back I'm in the middle of something and I was so pissed off with him I was like you come next door he said can you come back I'm in the middle of something yeah I mean we laugh about it he he was like I know. We'd been arguing a lot because he was going to the skate park all the time and I was worried he was going to twist his ankle and not be able to help me and walk the dogs and stuff. So we were like... Oh my God. A bit butting heads at that point, but it was all good. It was nothing. That's one of the funniest, like, rudest lines I've ever heard. I was Can you so come back? Oh, I was like, my neighbor is starting, funny. but he'd heard from people in the mindful birthing course that right, you know, you've right. got to, don't just don't get ahead of yourself. It takes time. Like just chill. Anyway, so I'm like, you come next door right now. So he comes next door, and I'm like, listen, my waters have released. It's it's happening. I'm so excited. I don't know what to do. My heart is racing, and he's like, listen, just just slow down. Anyway, five two minutes later, after he says slow down. I'm on all fours on the sofa, moaning through my first surge, and it's like ripping through my body, so intense. I'm like, set. I think we'd actually no. I was like, set the pool up because the pool hadn't been set up. So he gets the pool set up, but my house looks so beautiful: crystals, lights, candles, music. Just it's a really magical, red lit place to be in. And I really felt the thickness in the air. I was like, wow, this is so powerful. Um, And I was just like ready, ready to dive to the depths. And, you know, I'd done initiations, two initiations now in the past nine months. I can do this. You know, I've I've done the hard shit. Anyway, (laughs) this was so much harder than anything I'd ever done before. And I was so caught off guard by that. And it just completely decimated me. Um, And I just love that word because it is so accurate. Um, I had six hours of labor 
from first from waters breaking to him being born, um, which is super quick for first birth. And the way it went is this: I my waters broke, told the midwife. She came over when I told her, listen, it's on surge. My first surge came like two minutes apart from my second surge. And I can't even do anything in between them. It's so intense. I got in the water as soon as I could. And she brought her backup midwife, who was this lovely lady. I had, she'd come over. I met her. She was present at one of my really close friends' home births. Um, and it was just, it felt very safe and very beautiful. And so she comes, she was a retired midwife so that she could practice because of the reg- uh, legislation. Um, so I thought that was cool. Anyway, I'm floating in the pool, roaring through everything, like up in the stars, needing to not move a muscle because it's so intense and I feel like I'm going to split open. Mm. And so I just stayed really still and just breathed and just traveled. And it was so cool. And I've just got like my sweet Lord, George Harrison playing in the background and I'm like (laughs) singing along and I hear the midwives humming along and it's this really, really beautiful, like romantic scene. And I'm just like, yeah, this is amazing. And I'm like, they probably think I'm not even in labor because I'm so quiet and still. But ha, jokes on them. I am in full labor. It's so intense. Anyway, then I reach a point where I, maybe after two hours of being deadly still in the pool to get through it, I'm get, I like, like a wild animal get out. And I'm like, I can't do this. And now I know I was in transition. Mm. But I just have this wild look in my eyes and I look at her, at my midwife and the assistant and I'm like, listen, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. It's so intense. And my midwife just looked at me and she said, I can see you're really suffering. You don't have to. You can get an epidural at any time. You can get what? You can go to hospital. And I just was like, what? Yeah. And I was just like, really? Um... Okay, she's like, listen, you don't need to suffer. I can see you're suffering. Oh, and she's like, I'm raging right now. I forgot about this part. What the fuck? And she said, let me check how far along you are, knowing that I was not into exams or anything. And then we can assess what to do. And wow. I am feeling like, wide-eyed and broken and like maybe I can't do this god she said okay so I lie down on the sofa which is impossible to do because I'm in so much pain it's just so intense like all in my back all I mean I didn't really go into how intensely painful it was so you know fair enough maybe it did look like I was really suffering but that is birth um not birth is suffering but birth Uh is intense and it's wild um, so yeah, it's going to look wild for some people. Anyway, so she checks me and she's like, oh, you're 10 centimeters. You can push. Mm. And so I was like, okay, great. This is going to be over soon then. And I'd completely checked out by the way, the second I looked to her to say, what do I do? The second she said, you can go away or whatever mm. to hospital. I checked out of my body. And I was just like, what do I do next? What do I, like, what position do I, get? I mean, she was telling me what to do, but I was just going along with it. Like, um, a sheep I was like, yep, 
Okay. She's like, get onto your back, like semi-reclined with Luke behind you, kind of propping you up like a chair and push. And so I got into... So recreate the hospital. Yeah. So I start pushing and I'm like trying to push from my vagina. I'm like, because I'm not meant to push yet. So I'm just pushing and she's like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. And she goes, you need to push from your bum like you're doing a poop. And she put her fingers on my perineum and said, right there, that's the point. And so uh, both midwives are saying to me, push, 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 stop the, because I was going like, Aah! you know, like really letting, I was yeah. in so much intensity and it was very painful. And she said to me, stop vocalizing. You're losing all your power through your voice. Be quiet when you do it. So I then was completely silenced and um, pushing through my bum. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And she said, go sit on the loo for a couple of surges and that will help open you up. It was the most excruciating thing ever sitting on the loo and pushing. Mm. I like couldn't handle it. So I'm sitting on the loo pushing Mm. and I'm like, I, I felt blind. I couldn't see. And they were around the corner and my flat's all dark with just like little old candles and crystal lamps on. And I'm just like screaming, hello, is anybody there? I, I need help. I can't walk. I can't see. I'm like, oh. help me. And so Luke like runs over and they run over and like I waddle over, like leaning on them back to the sofa. I go back into that position and I'm pushing and I completely like had was not in my body. I had no idea what was going on. I felt like I was dying. Like I did not know what was happening. It was only 20 minutes from start of being told to push to when he emerged. It was really a lot faster than it could have been. But anyway, he was born 20 minutes after I started pushing. And she, I didn't know this, but Luke saw and he was getting worried. She had to put her fingers in and do a maneuver on his shoulder because he had a supposed sticky shoulder and he was born and I was just in shock and just like looking at her pulling him out and her holding him. And then she said, take your baby, take your baby. And I was just like, okay. And I took my baby just was, it was like I was dissociated. I just was not in my body. I I thought, okay, this is too intense. So I had him on my chest. I don't remember any of this. I just know from seeing a photo. And he latched on within 10 minutes and I just had him there, but it's all a a blur. I do not remember it. And um, they were like, he is one big baby. Oh my God. And he was 11 pounds. He was 10 pounds, 13, so almost 11 pounds. And um, Which is totally within the range of normal. That's not a weirdly sized child. I'm 5'9 and, you know... I've got very, you know, broad hips. My husband's really tall. Everyone in my family's really tall. Like, it's no big deal. Anyway, I'm holding him and they're like, wow, he's huge. You know, they hadn't weighed him, but they were just like, and I had no context or reference for how big a baby Uh was supposed to be at birth. So I was like, whatever. Anyway, I hobbled into the bed and I was like, oh my God, that was so intense. But wow, I did it. I had my home birth. That was amazing oh my God, but I'm really in shock and I can't even think about it. But by the next day, 
I was like, yeah, that was so amazing. Wow. I feel so lucky. 20 minutes of pushing only. Wow. Mm. You know, like I hear all these stories of women trying to have home births and do hypnobirthing and everything. And it always goes wrong. They always have to transfer and they're really Mm. conscious and really spiritual. What keeps going wrong? Right. And the bar is so low, right? Like it's so easy to reframe it just because you didn't transfer. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really proud of myself and, you know, I did it. But, oh my God, like Mm. the feeling I have in my, the pit of my stomach now, knowing what that felt like versus what Mm. it felt like to birth my second child in full sovereignty under the sunlight of just eternal love and light and power and just, oh my God, it gives me chills even just thinking about it. It's a stark contrast. And they were both born in the same room, um, Mm -hmm. in the same place pretty much, like few like a meter away from and it's just polar opposite experience so um yeah I mean the birth was what it was I really romanticized it and believed it to be wonderful and powerful and transcendent and it wasn't until just approaching his first birthday Sage's first birthday that I started to unpack and I was on free birth society membership and I wrote my birth story out in the romanticized way Mm. and I posted it because we were sharing birth stories and then I started to listen to the podcasts and hear other women's experiences and I was like oh my god okay it didn't have to be this way And that wasn't a powerful experience. Actually, my power was taken from me in that experience. And no, I don't have to be a victim about it. But wow, my Mm -hmm. eyes are opening. Wow. And um, it was really painful and powerful. And I raged at first. And then I made peace with it. And I was like, wow, this is such amazing information for me going forward. Because I already felt the spirit of my next baby calling me. And I knew that we would start preparing our bodies for conception. Even though I was breastfeeding, I hadn't had a period. I hadn't, you know, I just knew that our time was coming in the next six months or so. And yeah, I conceived, we conceived our son six months later. I wonder if you could, not what? Sorry, not knowing it was our son, but yeah, (laughs) different experience. Yeah, that's true. We got to talk about that too. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I wonder if there's anything more to say there because that's such a big deal, you know, and and, and this, wow, just r- like you said, romanticizing this birth and so interesting how, you know, if, if two years ago I had asked you to tell me your birth story, how different you would have told it, right? Yeah. And And this is the power of story and the power of time and the power of reflection and and the power of courage and and everything that 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 this that your story embodies. So what I'm hearing is that in the first year there was a pretty instant unconscious commitment to romanticize this this story and and I'm kind of throwing this in but but it sounds like part of it is because 
you know, you like, like all of us are really quite socialized to accept crumbs, like I always talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. and that, that the bar is so low that the fact that you had a home birth that was quick and probably received quite a bit of, you know, praise or, or affirming, you know, affirmation around, around that. So then it kind of creates its own narrative that, that you don't even question in the beginning. Right. And then, and this really highlights that we don't know how good it can be until, until it's there or until there is some intuitive sense or until there is critique or, or until a big sister tells you, um, and I think your story really highlights that. So then at some point a year later, you have the courage to risk that story. Yeah. Right? Like to release that story as this romantic, beautiful thing. And not to say that there weren't parts of it. And of course, your son being born is beautiful and and all of these things. And obviously, this is why it's complex because I think most women aren't willing to or haven't yet gotten willing to hold the complexity of, okay, I love my baby. I'm glad he's here, like all of these things. And wow, was that actually okay? Did that need to happen? Um, why did why did they, you know, bring up epidurals at the end? Why, why did they disrespect me? Why did they put me on the couch? Why did they call shoulder dystocia? Like, why did these things have to happen? And there's so much courage and there's so much intellectual and social risk to go there. So I'm wondering if, if there's anything more you want to say about that. Like, how was it in your marriage? How, how did it just, how did it shift things for you? Cause I know that that then puts you on the path of free birth. Yeah. No, it was, it was really challenging actually at the time because my husband felt like I was basically shitting all over the birth of my son by saying, oh no, I was, you know, basically I had my power ripped from me for no reason. Mm. Um, and, And so, and I was pointing out all the, I was critiquing it, you know, and I was pointing out all the things that I now see that I hadn't seen before. And so for him, you know, I'd gone from saying, oh, it was amazing to the next day being like, no, it wasn't. It was awful in a lot of senses. And, and I feel quite traumatized by it, actually. Um, and so he didn't really understand at first. And then with time, he did understand. But I just had to be, I just had to be doing my work and focusing on myself. And <sighs> like, like in marriage always, we come to things when we come to them. Like I can't expect mm-hmm. him to get things when I get them and he can't always expect me to get things when he gets them. It's just about being human and fluid with each other. But ultimately we have such a strong marriage that, and so many years together that I know, right. You've been I together know for a while. it's okay. Yeah, that mm-hmm. he'll come around. But imagine someone who didn't have that strong foundation. That would be really, really, really challenging if they mm-hmm. didn't believe you or they weren't on board with your ch- shift of perspective. Um, but ultimately, all we can do is be true to ourselves and everything lines up as it's supposed to, to find me. And um that's just the biggest lesson for me with everything to do with birth mothering yeah love everything just mm-hmm. be true to yourself um but yeah 
it's more complex than that, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, oh. it's a lot of things at once. Like that's what we were saying before we started recording. Because when you start to critique this, what 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 we often see is then it's like, oh shit, we have to question everything because it's all related, right? Because then that we're starting to unpack our own internalized misogyny, our own you know patriarchal conditioning. What is power? You know what is what is generating security, approval, and control within ourselves versus seeking it from outside of us. I mean, it just, it really, it's like Pandora's box. It's its in, in the most beautiful and, and really intense way. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> okay, so then, so then you're a changed woman, basically, the more that you start to question this and work it out and... and yeah. I see the light and I say to Luke, (laughs) I'm having a free birth, this next baby. And he was still in the belief that if the midwives hadn't have been there, then there would have been a problem. Baby would have been Mm. stuck and all the stuff. And I'm like, no, they caused the problem. They put me, they told me to push before I was ready. They put me in a position. They made interventions. They looked inside of me. That was the problem. And if I was in my own autonomy and listening to my body, then my body would have moved. I would have gone into different positions and everything would have happened differently. So it took him a, like a day to come around. And then he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's always got my back really after a day. Um, and so, so yeah, it took, it took about six, five or six months um, of consciously calling in our baby before he was conceived because I was breastfeeding around the clock still and I wasn't willing to stop and on my when my son turned 18 when Sage turned 18 months I decided okay I have to I just have to stop because this baby has to come in and I know that I have to make space so Mm. we did this really beautiful ceremony um to signify the end of our breastfeeding journey and then the start of him receiving this nourishment in other ways from me and um, I conceived our baby unknowingly without even bleeding so the first ovulation after the after stopping it must have been like two one or two weeks after stopping nursing after five months of trying and weaning night weaning doing the whole thing Um, so that was cool. And I had such a powerful conscious conception journey with this baby of visions and, um, just really leaning into surrender and wanting things so badly to be now. And they can't be now. They have to be at another time that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. So it was really painful at times, but just part of the course for conscious conception or just conception. I feel like it's about completely stripping off any sense of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was very, very beautiful and powerful. And then the first four months of my pregnancy were so intense, like, um, like being back in Gabon really, (laughs) maybe worse because it was not one week. It was four months of just every Mm -hmm. single defect of character being brought to my awareness about myself Mm. and completely deconstructing my identity and my ego and everything just that's when we met too yeah yeah it was 
you showed up <laughs> after puking on the plane. Like, <laughs> oh my god! And it was so cute because we've, we, we in in free society, we've laughed about this a lot because we've all become internet friends and we zoom all the time and we're like real <laughs> friends but the one mystery left is that we don't know how tall anyone is and you oh, show up at my house God. and you're like nine feet tall and I'm like two feet tall oh, and we oh hugged and I like came up like below your breast <laughs> we were like that was such that was such a mind you were fuck, like, Emily. You were I was like, like, I thought you were going to be so tall because you have such a big personality. And I'm five. I'm gonna ruin it for everyone. I'm five one. I'm really short. And, you and were I'm like, five nine. Yeah, and you were like hugging me. You were like, you were like a baby. <laughs> oh my god, that was, so was awesome. Yeah. But wait, there was something else. Oh yeah, I wanted you to speak to um, that. Just kind of the the just really interesting journey and let go of really thinking you were calling in a girl. Yeah, and, and the. And 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 you didn't find out, obviously, for sure, for sure, until, you know, spoiler alert, boy pops out. So you had such a really beautiful, just experience with kind of that, with letting that go and calling it in, and and like like you said, control, and then letting go of control. And it seemed like from the outside, as your friend, that letting go of this clarity that it was a girl was a really big part of of the journey. Yes. So I had all these communications with this spirit baby that was very clearly a girl and gave me her name. And it was just like this really beautiful, magical thing. And I'd always dreamed for a daughter. So it was, it just felt really exciting. And then one of our sisters in the community had the same thing happen to her. She gave birth to a boy after having such strong connection with this girl and the name was given, everything. And then when I saw that she posted that she'd given birth to a boy, mm. my stomach did a flip. I was like, no, oh my God, that could be me. This whole story that I have created about control and this happening, this is how it's going to be, could completely be shattered. And I'd feel broken because everything that like, I think I know, I don't know. And so it really scared me hearing her story. And um she shared a bit about it. And then I did a post in the, in the network being like, listen, I really want to know because if I'm thinking it's a girl the whole pregnancy and then I give birth to a boy, I'm just, how am I going to come to terms with that? Because I've got such a strong bond with this girl spirit. And it was your comment on that post that just nailed the, hit the nail in the coffin because I was like, okay, done. I don't need to ever come back to this. It was such a powerful comment. And I can't remember, I screenshotted it. Saved it was just like, I don't know, you must have channeled it. It was just exactly what I needed to hear. It was like, this is the journey. This is what it's about. Not knowing the letting go, the mystery, lean into the mystery, let go of the story. Um, this spirit baby that you believed you know, she could be ushering in a different spirit. She could, it, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. This is the spirit world. It's completely fluid. Like, come on, just let it all go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, <laughs> it was so easy. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't need to know. And you were like, listen, just remind me, like, I'll ask to remind you if you struggle again. Cause I was going to do the, the blood test just to find out without doing the ultrasound 
because I was very mm. staunchy against ultrasounds, knowing what I then knew. And and I was like, no, I don't want to know. This is part of the magic, the not knowing. And um, and I oh, never wow. needed to be reminded. I was then completely on board. But then I went through a whole other thing of like not think, maybe thinking I wasn't even pregnant. That was hard in my first few months because I would be like so bloated and then my stomach would not be bloated and go down. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I'm fooling myself and I'm not actually pregnant because I, I did one test, but I never had a period. Like, how do I know? Like, how do I know until something goes? And so that was such, that was really the most painful bit. And I really felt shame around it as well. Like, like my stomach isn't showing as much as it should be. Like people are commenting like, oh, you're tiny. You're so lucky and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they weren't saying that at the end because I was enormous. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was really a head fuck, just being in the not knowing. And I really leaned into it. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah. You have to. Like, I mean, it's the only, it's like yeah. the whole point, right? But, <laughs> no yeah. one does. I, I can't, I mean, it's, we are. Right, exactly. But yeah. it's such an illusion. We, we are literally yeah. the tiniest percentage of people who don't because society is all about control and needing to know. And if I have the illusion that I know, then everything's going to be okay because I'm in control. It's like, if I know it's a boy then I'll be okay because I'll come to terms with it before. And it's like, no, just forget everything and jump off a cliff mm-hmm. and just trust that you'll be carried. And right. And when people think they know and then they're wrong, they fall so much harder. You know, I've been at births where the freaking ultrasound tech inaccurately labels the sex. And so I've been at births where they were like, oh yeah, it's a girl, pink room. They do the whole whole thing. And then a freaking boy pops out or vice versa. I've seen it both ways. And it like rocks them totally understandably, like way more than if they had been in the mystery of it. Or obviously the most intense example is, um, you know, the, the, the bypass of not contending with death and thinking that you can just go in and get an ultrasound and be like, oh yeah, everything's perfect. And like, as if somebody else could tell you who and how your baby is and, and all of that. And, and I just, I find consistently women who experience loss outside the system just there's like I don't know how to say it these are these are kind of weird words to choose but there's like less Mm. of a fall it's like they've contended with it it's it's a part of the reality of possibilities in a different way and I'm not trying to suggest to anyone listening that women who birth in the system are just getting out of the work. I mm-hmm. think that there's always work for all of us and we're all like gauging what we're up for and da 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 and and everyone's kind of at their their own pace around it and there's no one way to do it and all of that. And this whole thing you keep talking about of leaning into the mystery and and that it, it never stops because so first it's the sex of the baby and the attachment to that and then you break through that and then there's another layer of control and another layer and am I even pregnant? And it is so heady and it's so decimating but what's on the other side of that is the the possibility for a rebirth that i really don't know if you could have no. gotten without no sovereignty right it's like 
I had to take 100% responsibility for my birth, for my baby, for myself in order. And I'm not saying everyone has to do this. This was just my experience in this birth. In order for me to be fully in tuned and connected to my baby and my body, I couldn't look outside of myself for anything because it's like I felt like then I would lose the thread. I needed to to be with myself. And and so I was. I mean, I didn't see anyone for the whole pregnancy. Um, I did my own prenatal care, bone broth, herbal infusions, salt baths, um, massages, rest, naps, uh, journaling, you know, a lot of really heavy spiritual work on myself. Just, I would finish one batch of spiritual work and then my baby would be like, okay, now I'm taking you down this other path and it's really intense. And I'd be like, what? So I just knew this baby was here to accelerate me and elevate me. And I just had to say yes to everything that I was being given, like all all the clues. And I would just take one clue and then be taken to the next. And I was in synchronicity and in flow. And I really trusted. And I didn't, I wasn't in fear at all, apart from once when um, I spoke to my old midwife about getting the birth notification done because she had helped other free birthing mothers do it. And she just dropped into the conversation, you know, what if it's a big baby again? What if it has shoulder dystocia? What are you going to do? And then it planted the seed of fear. And I was like, and then I had a whole load of work on shoulder dystocia to do and letting go of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did actually well. Also, you didn't have shoulder dystocia. (laughs) I know. I had sticky shoulder with parentheses and it wasn't because it was man-made. But that's not even, sticky shoulders isn't even a thing. That's like the swollen, that's like the, what's it called? The um, anterior lip, the, 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 is that what it's called? Yeah. The little extra anterior lip, like right before it's like, it's all just, yeah. So anyway, I did a lot of work on myself literally every day. It was something new and it was so intense and it was exhausting. I was so exhausted, but also felt amazing. And um, I had no idea how pregnant I was either because I'd never bled. Uh, I didn't know when I'd ovulated. I hadn't had a period in years. And so I was just like, well, the pregnancy test I did. By the way, I didn't even guess that I was pregnant until I was possibly 8 to 12 weeks pregnant or 8 to 10 weeks pregnant. I just didn't know. Um, And... So it was all a mystery. I was like, I could be 36 weeks. I could be 42 weeks. I have no idea. I was huge um, by the end, bigger than I was for Sage with a, a lot of fluid retention. And I hadn't gained as much weight either this time around. And so I was expecting like a huge baby. I was totally up for it, whatever. I had a whole list of things for Luke to do for the birth. I was so prepared, literally like... Everything was in a cupboard to make my room beautiful. The music playlist, the labor aid with raspberry leaf tea and raw honey and magnesium and everything just all set out. A birthday cake, a keto birthday 
cake for Luke to bake for when the baby's born so he can sing happy birthday. Like it was just all to the T set out. My mom was going to pick up Sage. Um, I like envisioned it being in the middle of the night. Everything that I envisioned, by the way, in my birth vision that I read out in the village prenatals that I'd attended and in my mother blessing, which was so magical that I had um, thrown for me came true basically it was exactly I mean it was a bit faster than I'd imagined but it was so powerful having that clear 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 intention of how I saw my birth and having it manifest it was just like and I did the same for postpartum I was so detailed about how I wanted my postpartum to be and you know as much as it could it did manifest but then we went into lockdown like two weeks later so that was its own story um anyway my waters broke at two in the morning um I woke up to pee into uh an elimination communication potty that I got for my baby when he was born but I just kept it by the bed because I was peeing so much and I couldn't, I just couldn't make it to the bathroom. I'd have to like walk over mattresses. Our whole floor is a mattress in our bedroom because we all co-sleep. So I just couldn't do mm-hmm. it. So literally from four weeks or however many, we eight weeks pregnant, I was peeing in the potty by the bed because it was just so much pee the whole time. Um, my, and we had the sound of rain in the background. So luckily it wouldn't wake up my husband, the sound of me peeing in the middle of the night. Um, but anyway pee and then fluid just keeps gushing slowly but surely I get back into bed onto um like a washable waterproof pad that I had and I'm like wow it's happening oh my god I listened to Yolanda's birth affirmations which was so beautiful and I'd been listening to them through the pregnancy mm. as well as doing the sovereign birth meditations of Nancy's on free birth society which I highly recommend and um yeah, I was like, wow, it's happening. It's raining outside. It's raining inside with a sleepy sound. <laughs> yeah, you're peeing over here. <laughs> and and sorry, I didn't get clear on this, but it was just it was just intended to have you and Luke and Sage. Like what was the what was the setup? So it was intended just me and Luke and for my mom to pick up Sage because Sage is he was two years and three months at the time. He's so high energy. Yeah. I mean, I was open to him being there, but I wanted to be able to let go and I just needed the backup. Mm-hmm. Mum lives five minutes away. So she was on call. And um, yeah, so an hour passes after my water broke, I posted on the membership being like, okay, my water's broken. I think it's going to come quickly. Some people were like, yeah, mine took 24 hours to settle in, get comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's happening. <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> yeah. But I was open to it happening, of course, but I just, you know, really knew it was, it was on. Went next door, started setting things up. Didn't wake up Luke yet because I just wanted some space to myself. And literally... I light a candle on my birth altar, try to light it, and I'm just floored by my first surge. It was so intense. It felt like I was 10 hours into labor, the first surge. I was like, oh my God. Ah. And I really muted myself because I didn't want to wake up sage yet. So I was like, okay, this is going, it's 2 a.m. I want him to sleep longer. 
um, before mum picks him up. Anyway, after half an hour of trying to keep my cool, I got Luke. I was like, listen, it's happening, you know, set up, set everything up now. Mm -hmm. So he went down checking off his list and, um, I got into the pool as soon as I could. And I was like, I can't hold it back anymore. This has got to come out. And I was just like roaring, screaming, wild animal. I mean, Luke was looking at me like he, (laughs) bless him. He did say at one point, which you're going to get annoyed about. He was like, do you remember last time you were so like quiet and still inside the pool and it really helped you? I was, oh my god we I, need to like create a book of what men say during birth yeah. no he thought he thought that the police were gonna come like I was shrieking maybe yeah. it was just I had to I was, it was so intense and and I was like okay well I'm gonna try doing that because actually if it would help then great so I tried to like do some deep breathing I was like going to, I was like no and I was like yeah. screaming again Anyway, Sage was woken up, of course. He comes next door. He's just staring at me. And we'd been watching Orgasmic Birth, the documentary, earlier that day. And they sounded so different to me. And so he's looking at me like, oh my God, that does not sound like what we've been watching. Like the videos of Jin T's birth and all these beautiful births. Very like much more peaceful. And so he's like, oh, dada. And he like went into the kitchen to make the labor aid with Luke because he was a bit taken aback by my sounds. Mm-hmm. My mom was on her way. She picked Sage up and five minutes, she thought I was in like very, very early labor because she arrived and she heard me. She's never been in a birth situation. So she didn't understand. She needs to respect the space, be quiet. She comes in being like, I brought the eggs, Um, you know, because I asked Luke to tell her to bring eggs so he could bake. And I'm just thinking, shut up. I need to, I'm about to have a baby. Come on. But I didn't say anything. And she's like getting Sage ready to leave. And I'm just thinking, leave, 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 please leave in my mind. And, you know, roaring through my surges. She leaves with Sage. Luke takes him down. We're two block, two floors up in a mansion block in the back from the front on the street. When he puts Sage in the car, he can hear me and it's 5 a.m. (laughs) Um, so from my first surge it was an hour and a half from my first surge to me giving birth and yeah it was so quick I didn't realize it was that quick yeah yeah and I'm not I'm not embellishing it it was literally from the very first one to his emergence Luke came up from taking Sage down to the car thinking that the whole building's going to call the police because mm-hmm. I sound so wild, but no one even heard. Um, and he comes in and I'm literally like, my body goes into fetal ejection reflex as he comes oh in. And I'm like, oh my God, my baby, I'm having my baby. And mm. my whole body is just like opening and like a train, sh- like shooting through me or I mean, I can't even, it's just the wildest, most incredible, crazy feeling. And Luke's like, I forgot to film. I said, I really wanted him to film it. So he's like shaking, fumbling around, setting up the camera just on his phone because he hadn't set up the GoPro or anything because it was so quick. And um, he caught just the very last bit of me pulling River out in two, two surges, one and 
his head was born and I'm feeling his head and I'm like, oh my God, his head is here. Oh my goodness. And then he shoots out and I just pick him up and I'm just in absolute ecstasy, bliss, mm. amazement. Like it, there is no drug like it. I just, and I've <laughs> taken all the drugs. <laughs> like no comparison. And I just laid back and I had him on my chest and I'm just like crying, looking down at him, like smiling, laughing, crying in awe. And he is taking his time to come to and clear his airways. And I'm just like, I know in my bones, he is here and he's safe. And I didn't know if he was a he, I didn't even check like 15 minutes. I didn't care. Um, I'm just holding him and Luke, I had prepped him and he was super cool about it, like as he should be, but a lot of men I know wouldn't be. He, not to touch me, not to come near me, not mm-hmm. to talk to me, just to allow me the dignity of this time with my baby. And he did. He was so respectful of that. And the only way I know how he felt or what he was like in this moment is because he was filming me and then he just turned the camera on himself just to show and he's like, bawling with tears Mm -hmm. and he never cries and that's the cutest video and so then he turns it back onto me and and um I just want to say my first birth I remember nothing and I thought that that was normal that you'd be really Mm. out of it after such an intense thing I remember everything I was the most lucid and in my body I've ever been whilst being the most high and in bliss that I've ever been and Mm. I can remember every single bit of the feelings so I mean it says a lot it is out of this world like yeah physiological birth and then with that time with no one coming near me no one looking at me talking to me touching me of just soaking in my baby and being like wow we did it we did it together this was this was us like wow, we are the best team in the world. (laughs) And um, yeah, just, and then the the beautiful chorus song, Thank You For Your Blessings came on and Mm. I was just singing it to him. And he Mm. was like listening to me. And oh, it was just so, so insanely beautiful. And then when I was ready, I looked at Luke and I was like, can't you come in now? And so he came in and he was like, so sweet about like, you know, didn't want to touch me because he didn't feel bad. And I'm like, you can touch me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like touching me and touch River's head. And he, oh, we didn't know it was River yet, but he said, I thought it was a girl the whole pregnancy. And so did he because, and everyone <laughs> told him it was a girl. And he's like, is it a girl or a boy? And I said, I don't know. And I really casually just like looked. He was like, it's a boy. And and he was like, oh my God. Like his face is so classic in the video. But me, I'm just like so blase about it. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. like, of course it is. It doesn't, it just did not matter. I did Mm -hmm. not care. It made so much sense that it was a boy, that it was him. And I just said, hello, River. And I didn't even know what I would call him if it was a boy. We didn't have a name, but it just came out. It was like, that's your name. Hmm. And um, very, 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 very powerful. Got out of the water maybe half an hour afterwards because I was having such strong after pains, which I hadn't had in my first birth. And got into bed and 
it was nurse. He he didn't latch on probably the first hour, and with Sage it was ten minutes in. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was just like I was just waiting for him to be ready. It was I wasn't worried. And then I tried to birth the placenta, but it wasn't ready yet. And I think two hours after birth, after giving birth, I kind of squatted over a bowl over my bed and River was held by Luke just in front of me just because he was obviously attached to me. And I just said, I release, I release and I coughed and the placenta, I thought the placenta was born. I was like, oh, that was easy. And I like laid back and Luke was like, why is the cord still attached to you? <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, it was just a bit of membrane. So I to like get back into position and I the placenta, you know, eventually, but it was no big deal. And then we just stayed in bed and it was super dreamy and called my mom, FaceTimed her and then Sage, she brought Sage back a few hours later after that. And um, he, we did a cord burning ceremony with Sage with the mm. big candles. And my mom held the candles for a bit as well. And Luke and me, and it was just very, very special. And then Luke had been baking the cake during those hours time. He was so adrenalized by what he'd seen and witnessed that he was like <laughs> baking in the kitchen. He, Sage, Sage brought the cake and blew out the candle for River and sang happy birthday. And, and then I just spent, oh my God, that first night, Sage went and spent the night in my mom's house, which I was really grateful for um, just because I needed to process and mm-hmm. integrate and um, I felt like I was on like a heroic dose of mushrooms. I was literally tripping balls. That's how I felt my first night too. I was tripping my face off for like at least at least the whole night. Yeah, all night seeing Space Invaders and all sorts of things, gnomes and mushrooms coming out at me. And I was just like lying there. But I was, I was loose. I mean, I was safe to be with my baby, but I was just like, whoa. And I didn't want to wash because I smelled amazing. Luke was like, oh my God, you smell amazing. Like birth, (laughs) this primal earthy birthy smell. Obviously your baby smells amazing. Like if you don't wash them, like, oh my God, Mm. I just loved I was like lying in bed smelling my armpits being like oh my god it smells so good I wish I could bottle this and then I was like I'm really tripping out I'm just gonna oh I I think I didn't tear nothing happened like I literally felt virginal after the birth like no no not even a graze it was just so great um but I felt like a tiny bit cystitis um which is something that I've had recurrent for my whole life. And my remedy for when I feel like a UTI coming on is just sitting in a really hot bath for a second, for like five minutes. So I went and did that. And um, I'm like lying in the bath, like seeing things coming out of the walls and then go back into bed. And I'm like, okay, that was really intense. Oh my God. God. And then, you know, just postpartum bubble, I had a postpartum, two hour postpartum massage the next day with this amazing woman who specializes in that. And she came and did the mm. Arvigo um, abdominal massage and rivers at nice. my side in bed. And it was just, you know, exactly how I'd pictured. And then the mm. whole 
corona lockdown stuff happened and all support was cut off and like cleaner gone uh no meals like everything just went radio silence like my mom as well because my dad's older and they were worried about you know being around the kids being around on stage because he went to a playgroup and whatnot when everyone really believed that there was a virus to catch um so yeah that was definitely interesting um shift and Luke was amazing and just did everything and cooked and cleaned and looked after Sage. And I didn't, I, even through having no support, I stuck to my plan and stayed in bed and stayed with my baby. And I just did nap time and bedtime with Sage at the foot of my bed. And that was the way nice. that we could connect and bond through, you know, me suddenly not being there with him all day, every day. I'll just say that it was like emotionally such a roller coaster, even with like the most beautiful, perfect birth. I was way more emotional and unstable and felt unhinged at times than I was even at Sage's birth. And I think it's because I was obviously there was a lot going on in the world at the time, and I was just. Look, watching a lot of things that were very dark and uh-huh. I was just being exposed to things where I was allowing myself to be exposed to things that were really just dark and so I was contending with that whilst knowing that I share the same nervous system with my baby and uh-huh. how important it is for me to hold myself in a high vibration so I was going through this like up and down up and down constantly of like pulling myself back up and then being pulled back down and just feeling like moments of anxiety like my he was eight pounds and Sage was 11 pounds and so I had never really held such a small baby even though that's just a normal weight and I would like be Uh nursing him and be afraid that I was going to snap his neck and just things would come into my head like that, which I'd never Mm -hmm. had before. And so I just want to like normalize that as well. Like that, that was just part of my path with him and I grew out of it and, um, it was no big deal. I didn't pathologize it. I just allowed it to be. And I spoke to white and that is why wise women around and spiritual anchor points are so important like as important as nourishing food and rest postpartum because if I didn't have that support I could have gone into some kind of postpartum anxiety thing I think or depression whatever they call it um and I didn't because I looked after myself and I was very committed to doing that um and I had the resources and I was very fortunate to but um yeah and I think we're like you're saying I mean we're so we're so isolated when we are isolated it's so easy to take our thoughts really seriously you mm. know and and the truth is they're not even really ours they're like radio frequencies you know they're just like thoughts yeah. they're just passing through and 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 I think in isolation those thoughts can feel a lot more serious yeah it's a good good word for it instead of just just a weird a weird dark thought passing through you know it doesn't really need to mean anything yeah Um, yeah no it's it's really 
full on. And I just want to end saying something really beautiful that I've experienced a few months later postpartum, but it was my birthday, my 30th birthday. And I had a hospital birth with induction and epidural and the the way I was born. Um, And, you know, separated from a mother at birth to be washed and weighed and all that stuff. And she was given a sleeping pill that night and all this stuff. So um, this was in Paris 30 years ago. And so on my birthday, I was with my mother and I said to her, will you write what your dream birth would be um, for my birth? And will you share it with me in a little ceremony under this beautiful tree in the house we were staying at in the countryside? And so she did, and she shared it, walking me through. We had a candlelit river was lying next to me on the blanket. She walked me through the most healing, beautiful free birth that she chose for herself, Um, like under this waterfall, um, in a lagoon, in this forest with like the most beautiful warm air blowing on her. And she gave birth to me in the water, pulled me up, just my dad present. And he was just quiet and supportive. And then she went and lay on a pillow duvet and birthed a placenta onto a gold tasseled cushion. And we just lay there nursing in the warm wind. And, and so it was, we rewrote my birth story Mm -hmm. and we both felt so profoundly changed from that moment. And I just wanted to offer that as, Mm -hmm. as a really beautiful tool for anyone to practice for their own births or for, you know, traumatic births of their children, because I really, I really believe like on, on a spiritual as above, so below, like something changed when we told the story Mm. and um, yeah yeah and it's a I love that and it's a it's an intentional not rewrite but like a reimagining and and that creates a marker of ritual in your system you know so obviously Mm -hmm. you you like know in the physical planes that that is not how the physical story of your birth was and yet you both took the time to imagine and and step inside of another dream and like feel what that would be like and and let that be in your system. It makes me think about, you know, when when, when we do um, menarche reclamation ceremonies, you know, where you mm-hmm. you rewrite, you know, you walk through an intentional, you know, uh, respectful ritual of your, you know, of your menarche, but you do it as an adult because most likely whatever happened to you when you first bled was, was fucked up or was dismissed or, or whatever. And, and it's, it's kind of similar. It's like creating that marker in your system to imagine a new story. And it's, yeah, it's so beautiful and it's so playful and so creative and it's so feminine. It's so female to do something like that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was way more powerful either of us thought Mm. it was going to be we thought it was just going to be this like beautiful thing but we both Hmm. felt kind of we were both crying and felt like floored by it actually but this is ritual you know like this is so it's so beautiful yeah and what a sweet what a sweet easy thing that any of us could do yeah yeah that's awesome Mm, thank you so much I'm so proud of you and what a just what a gift you've given to yourself and your family. And I really, really honor your courage and your willingness to, um, to create something new. Thank you, my love.
Love you so Love much. Bye. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. Our opening song is by Shyla Ray. And now I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death. Ascension, I will fly and bring her back.